Hi, and welcome back to Radio Motherboard. I'm staff writer Jason Kebler, and I'm joined here with... Um, Adrian Jeffries, Motherboard Managing Editor. Supervising Producer Chris O'Coin. Adrian's got this awesome new haircut. It, all of her hair is gone, and I got a tan. So I hope you guys did something we're worthwhile looking, with your Memorial Day weekend. We're looking pretty good is what we're saying. Yeah, Chris looks kind of the same, but he got a great haircut, so it still still looks good. One place you can't get a tan, though, is Mars. Or maybe you can. I'm not really good exactly segue. sure. Maybe you get like a really, really, really strong tan there. You, the kind where your skin bursts into flames. Well, your eyes fall out of your fucking skull. Remember in Total Recall? I do. I've seen that gif many times. There's a gif? There's a gif, all right. Ooh. I'm not sure that's how it actually happens, though, Chris. No, it's definitely not. I read a thing about how it's not true. And yeah. there's no three-breasted women on Mars or uh, Quado or, like, any of it. It's just a bunch of rocks. And fucking, uh, that's it. Yeah, and also a lot of radiation from the sun. No radiation screening. Anyways, today we are talking about Elon Musk and his plans for the future and his master plan. We have been covering Elon a lot lately on Motherboard because his companies are very interesting. He's got Tesla and SpaceX and SolarCity, which all hit on things that we cover all the time. And there is a new biography out about him called Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the Quest for a Fantastic Future by Ashley Vance. It's a very good book. And we have learned a lot of things about Elon from it. Uh, We're going to talk to Ashley in a few minutes about making the book and about why Elon Musk isn't talking to him right now. And we're going to try to get him to call Elon Musk on the show. Spoiler alert, Elon does not answer. I'm sorry. But anyways, he's a very interesting figure and kind of divisive, I'd say. What what do you think? I got to say, I remember reading, so Elon Musk is famous for not working very very well with his PR team, which I've heard from people in the PR industry. He doesn't work well with public relations professionals, communications teams. He does a lot of tweeting and blogging on his own with no filter. And I used to think he was kind of an asshole. I remember when there were all these stories about people trying to drive their Teslas along the California coast and like the New York Times said they almost ran out of juice and Elon tried to take them down by publishing the data from the reporter's drive. And I thought this guy's just a jerk. But after having read this book, I'm totally team Elon now. He's very charming and totally fascinating. What made you switch? So the book does a really good, well, one thing I really liked about Elon Musk that this book shows is that he is very, he's always open. He's very confident in his own way, but he's always like, if you show me the right data, I'm willing to switch my opinion. He's very even handed in that way. And he'll send these like very bombastic emails. But in the end, he's like, also, you know, pending any other, he's just always qualifying. And he's like, he's very practical. He's, he, he's emotional, but he's also, he is genuinely looking for the right answer all the time and not, not super invested in just being right because he wants to be right. Right. He has these, he wants to get to Mars and he wants, you know, electric cars to kind of take over <clears throat> the U.S. transportation industry. And he wants people to switch to solar because he cares very deeply about mankind and its future. But he doesn't really know exactly how we'll get there. And if you have a good idea about how to do it, he, he's happy to have you working on his team. 
he's also very aware of his own shortcomings. He talks about that a lot. He talks about how he's working on himself and working on trying to work with pe- other people better. Is it? I'm sorry. Uh, is it true that he wants to go to Mars because he believes that humanity is going to be wiped out by an asteroid, or is that just something colorful I read? Or is that like his sighted? I don't think he necessarily is thinking asteroid. I think he might be thinking more climate change. Uh-huh. But he's but that's the basic idea because humanity needs to move on to another planet to survive long term, like really long term. Right. He wants to make humans into an interplanetary species and, you know, divide and conquer sort of thing. If you take out Earth, we still got this backup Mars colony. You take out Mars, we still got Earth. Soon we'll have, you know, all these other planets as well. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Um, He's singularly focused on colonizing Mars in a way that perhaps no one else on Earth is. No one else with means, at least. Um, He said over and over again, you know, I want to go to Mars and no one else is working on this problem. And why is no one else kind of helping me? What about Mars One? Mars One is just like a a joke. I mean, more or less. Is Mars One even mentioned in the book? Mars One is not mentioned in the book. And why would it be? I mean, they don't have anything. They don't have a rocket. They 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 have a dream. For the listener, uh, Mars One was a... Uh, idea the long and short of it the tldr is that um this uh dutch company i believe it's dutch it's it's europeans of some sort well they they were gonna fund a trip a mission to mars by turning it into a reality television program that's really more or less all there is to it and they were like what they estimated they needed like something like was it five hundred billion dollars? Like, yeah, several several billion. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I basically stopped covering them once I wrote an article about them last year, and I realized how they didn't have anything together at all. And I just decided to kind of stop paying attention to them because the whole thing is built on publicity, and they don't they have an idea, and that's it. I mean, the entire plan was to basically have a reality tv show and everyone in the world would watch this reality tv show and then they figure out the, it, it is true but they they wanted to figure out the engineering and all the other things later and they want to send you know 20 people to mars to die like that's yeah, that's the like plan approximately a year until they died on mars and then that'd be a high rated series finale though it would be yes i would definitely watch that through like through my fingers. <laughs> Anyways, um, Elon is kind of, Elon with SpaceX is taking the very long route towards this. You know, he's made a rocket company and his plan is to make reusable rockets, which can then land themselves and take off again. And in doing so, he'll cut the cost of access to space. And in cutting the cost of access to space, he can then potentially monopolize that market and when you can monopolize the commercial space market you can make a lot of money and when you make a lot of money you can then send things to mars that's kind of the the deal i think when does he want to send uh stuff to mars by so he famously has very short deadlines for everything he's like oh we're gonna launch our tesla like tomorrow he thinks everything is gonna take an hour yeah that's a line in the book it's very good um, but I would, I would say maybe the 2030s if I, if things work out all that's, right. That's a 
colonized trip to Mars. That's like people stepping foot on Mars. Yes. And, and establishing uh, living quarters. He doesn't want to send one thing to Mars. He wants to send like 30, 40, 50 launches, basically one after the other, after the other, after the other. Oh, so it'll be like an invading armada, kind of, like from a sci-fi movie. Yep. That's that's the plan. Like, it sounds crazy. And I went to a conference a few months ago where um, Gwen Shotwell, who is SpaceX's uh, second in command, uh, said, you know, people don't laugh anymore when we talk about colonizing Mars. And that's always been the plan. That's always going to be the plan. All the stuff in between is basically stepping stones on the path to colonizing Mars. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I'd bet against them at this point. They've succeeded in everything they've tried. An odd hush fills the room. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Adrian? I just don't know. I just don't. There's part of the book talks about SpaceX and how they do recruiting for engineers and it's very easy for them because they're able to make this really noble and exciting pitch. And so I think they get a lot of brilliant minds to come work there and to me, it's just, I don't know, I just, you couldn't, I feel like it would be like a prison colony for me. I just don't see the appeal. Well, I don't want to go to Mars, but I don't doubt that they can potentially do it. No, sure, other people can go to Mars. <laughs> so Elon should totally great. steal the idea and make it a reality show. I mean, <laughs> that would be, a it's a fantastic way to fund the mission, is all I'm saying. I agree, it is. Let's pause here and talk to Ashley Vance, and then let's talk about how he's going to get to Mars, because I have my theory, and I think that it will work. And I think that I'm pretty sure I know what he wants to do. Radio Motherboard is brought to you by Casper. Sleep is a pain in the ass, but you shouldn't have your mattress to blame. Try Casper. One perfect mattress made in the USA just for you, with free shipping, free returns, and a whole 100 nights to try it out. Yeah, that's right. You can actually take this thing for 100 test sleeps to decide if you love it. Check it out at casper.com, and make sure you use code VICE. That's V-I-C-E for $50 off any mattress. Thank you very much for doing this. Congrats a lot on the book. It's incredible. Um, just finished it last night, and everyone should definitely read it. Um, how did you decide to go about writing a book about Elon Musk? What? Why now? Yeah, well, thanks for the kind words. Um, I, so I work in Silicon Valley, and I cover tech companies, but I tend to sort of hate consumer tech, and um, and I tend to gravitate towards companies that make things, and uh, and I like factories, and I don't know, it's sort of a it's probably like a weird thing to be into, but um, I, and then I sort of ended up doing a cover story on Elon. You know, he in 2012 he had um, I'd always thought he was kind of like this guy that talked up a lot of stuff and was not really delivering, and um, so I hadn't paid that much attention to him. And then in 2012, SpaceX got a um, a rocket to the space station, and then the Model S came out from Tesla, and so he'd finally, after all this time, had these huge hits that seemed to be working. And so I was like, okay, I'll go do a cover story on this guy. And then I went to visit the Tesla factory and the SpaceX factory. And that's when I saw the SpaceX factory. Then I was like, okay, this is what I have to do. It's in 
Los Angeles, you know, just a rocket factory is right in the middle of Los Angeles. Right. And this story doesn't really have an ending. I mean, there's an epilogue and things have changed. Things are changing all the time with both of these companies. Um, was that a concern when you're writing this? Like what happens if these companies go belly up? What happens What happens if, you know, the book gets published and then something crazy happens? It's, it's very likely. You know? Yeah, especially at the beginning when I, you know, so I, I pitched it in like 2012 to the New York publishers and they were super skeptical. I mean, I think in Silicon Valley, Elon was already kind of the next Steve Jobs and everybody idolized him. Um, when I came to New York, it was totally, okay, we're either going to write about a book about these companies crashing and burning, or we're going to write a book about them being big successes and we don't know which way it's going to go. And then, you know, Elon's still doing stuff, but I thought somebody's going to do a biography about this guy. It's inevitable. And uh, I said, you know, I might as well just do it now. And then you had to just kind of pick a cutoff point for when you were going to put right, it out. Right. Can you tell me about the two books that you ended up writing? There's kind of like before Elon and after Elon, you mentioned at the end of it. And it's like before Elon decided to participate and after he was kind of fully on board. Um, what did the book look like before he decided to cooperate? Yeah, I guess. So I'd gone to him and I said, I want to do a book. And he's, he was like, uh, that's very nice. I don't think I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a sense of why he didn't want to participate? I mean, he told me at the time. So he told me other people had asked him. He said, I think he said like six to eight people had asked him before. And he told them no. And so he sort of felt bad about doing something with someone after he'd already said no. He said he wanted to write his own book. And then he didn't want to be seen as like wanting a book. He doesn't like people to think he wants the attention. Um, and so then I sold the book. <laughs> and then I went back to him and I told him I sold the book. And uh, he thought a little bit more about it for a couple days. And I thought I had him converted. And, and then he said still no. And so then I spent 18 months basically interviewing tons of ex-Tesla employees and ex-SpaceX employees. I mean, I went into, it went from kind of, I wanted to do this fly-on-the-wall tale with his cooperation. I'm going to write it. Frank Sinatra has a cold style. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, originally it was going to be all the gory details of how Tesla and SpaceX operate from the inside, this inside look, you know, and then it went to, okay, now I'm angry reporter guy, and I'm going to go find out everything. All, I mean, it was talking to some obviously people who like him but tons of people who don't and all that and then so then when he so that was 18 months and then we had this negotiation after that and he agreed to participate and then i mean it was just better you learn like way more about him because he, he's like a good interview he'll actually tell you answers to things right. and then uh the other key thing was that he was blocking me from access to some of the veterans at spacex and tesla who really knew all the good stories and like had deep knowledge of the technology and people I wanted to give some ink to because they're pretty much ignored. And so getting them was one of my, that was like, made me very happy. Yeah. Right. right. Did you like wear out your LinkedIn premium account before? <laughs> I did. It's pretty funny because you start, you, yeah, because you like, boom, you just said For those who don't know, LinkedIn <laughs> premium lets you search, search for ex-employees of certain companies. So Yeah, it's a godsend. But then if you send out too many and you start getting these rejections, then it starts to like count against you. And <laughs> so right, you, have right. to, you have to like balance. You, you try to like look at these guys' resumes and you're like, was this person talk to a reporter? And then I'm always blown away. I mean, so many people talk, more people talk to reporters than you would expect. And I always just assume being a reporter that... I would never do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, Elon talks a lot. Like the fact that Elon, everyone knows what he wants to do. Everyone knows he wants to go to Mars. Everyone knows he wants to reinvent, you know, the electric car. 
But the great thing about this book is the fact that you get a look inside the factory because um, SpaceX and Tesla both kind of rarely tell reporters anything they don't want them to know. Um, And that's why I thought this book was so impressive. It's like, this is a look behind the curtain. And for myself as a reporter, I mean, I've tried to interview people at SpaceX time and time again and have had varying levels of success. And then it's kind of like, oh, this guy did it. Like he got behind it. He he has everything. Like he has all the bad stories, all the good stories, all the (laughs) triumphs and all like the, the failures. And I mean, is that what you wanted the book to be? Like, this is it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I felt like I felt like there are some things out there, but I felt like no one had done a proper history of Tesla or SpaceX. And, and so that seemed like this golden opportunity. And then, you know, I, w- when Elon was not talking to me, I, you know, I would get some of these engineers who had been there in the early days, and they were sort of in that reminiscing mode. And it's like, man, now, okay, now I understand what was going on and why this thing was delayed and 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 engineers can be horrible interviews because sometimes they're not good storytellers but they can be awesome too because they remember every date and detail and if you keep pushing them they 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 just know this stuff so deeply that um then that became really fun yeah right has uh has elon read the book so you know we had a deal where um so he didn't get to read the book or give any input and then and he he was okay. to his credit he like stuck by that and then uh, the the presses sort of start printing a book I guess it's probably in China and then it has to go on a boat so it sort of starts like three weeks before it actually comes out but you have like the electronic file and so I let him at that point once the presses started I let him see the electronic Can't file stop it yeah, at that point. yeah. <laughs> and I I told him that expressly <laughs> that, right. that it couldn't be and then you know he kind of freaked out for a couple of days. Um, and then a day went by, and then he came back, and then he was like, this is pretty well done, and it's accurate. And then uh, we were still kind of talking after that. And then it's been kind of weird because now there's been this pre – people have been pulling quotes out of the book. Right. He's gotten flack for this one quote that you used that I don't remember the exact quote, but it's basically – it was a Tesla employee, right? Yeah. Alleged that you know uh, Elon – he missed a Tesla event, and Elon said – he missed the Tesla event for the birth of his child. Yeah. And Elon got very angry at this. Yeah. I mean, the tricky thing about that quote was that it was put on like a list of quotes. And so it gets totally pulled out of sort of where it is in the book. And I mean, it's that happens to come from this period in 2008 when Tesla was just like any day could just disappear and go bankrupt and everything was going wrong. And so I don't think Elon. To be fair, Elon doesn't run around today as being like, you should miss the birth of your children. But at this period in 2008, every employee was sort of asked to kind of be at the company all the time. And, you know, it fell into there. And it's totally, I mean, I completely stand by the quote. It's just that um, when you just see it starkly in this list, it, it comes off pretty bad. Right. It does. And I was going to ask you about the quote because it comes in this period of like very hectic Tesla time. And Elon comes off as a jerk at that moment and i felt like there is enough to kind of portray that at that point in the book and you kind of get the idea that like this guy cares about his vision and nothing else like he doesn't care about your feelings at that point and you know there's a lot of people on the record saying this and this is like an anonymous person recalling an email and like giving it to you was there ever any concern about using that quote you know i felt like one thing i was proud of with the book is that 
there's hardly anything anonymously sourced. There might be, I think there's like two to three quotes in the entire book that are anonymously sourced. And um, on that particular one, you know, I felt like it got to the core of how desperate the situation was and how much he asks of people. And it was 100% true and it was... And it was what it was, you know? I mean, I see what you're saying about um, the point kind of gets across. I, I guess for me, it had a lot of impact. And I mean, it's an amazing quote, an amazing story. So it, yeah, and it was just me for using it. But. Well, and, it, and it's, 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 Elon has the weirdest kind of empathy of anyone I've ever run across, which is that he d- does not have much interpersonal empathy, but he has empathy for mankind. <laughs> and right. and uh, like on this very deep, like, because people say, oh, he's not emotional. He's somewhere on the spectrum and things like that. And I, I'm not like really sure that that's true. I just think he has a completely different set of emotions than I think like the average person does. And that he, he, like um, the thought of the human species being wiped out, like, you know, gives him sleepless. This is horrible for him. It's, it's like consuming. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with Elon? Because you interviewed him for over 100 hours, right? And not that, not, it, was, it was more, it was like 30 or 40. Yeah. That's still a lot of time lot. to spend yeah. with a guy who has very little free time. Yeah. And you said he did, you know, eventually open up to you. Um, how, how often were you meeting with him? What were these meetings like? Yeah, once he committed to help out he decided we were gonna have dinner once a month and then sort of go for as long as he said I needed to and um and then I thought we would do one and he would end it and then I did the second one and I thought he would end it and to his credit he just never did and we did that from sort of like March through to September I think and then I'd been I'd go to the Tesla factory I'd into the SpaceX factory with them, um, like a hung out like a movie premiere, th- like a couple things like that, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So I mean, it was kind of fun. We would have these long conversations. He's, I feel like once he committed to do it, he was a good sport about it. He he like never once was like I have to go, and he would answer any question I asked. And he him. didn't bail out of the project. <laughs> no, and I you yeah. know I totally. He, in fact, like as time went on, the interviews got way better. At the the first couple, it was frustrating because it was like um, it was things I'd kind of heard before. I'm like, he how says I? the same things over and over yes. in the press, at least. Because so. the, there's these stories, right? That and I was trying to get past that, and then all of a sudden, I can't remember. It was like the third or fourth interview. It was just I remember coming home and just being like, "Oh my god, that was night." Now we got, got somewhere, yeah. yeah. And then then when they were coming up after that, I was like, "I can't wait for the next one." <laughs> right, right. Can we call up Elon right now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got his email, and uh, the problem. So at the at this very moment, Elon's really upset about that quote, and right. we're. Uh, I would say our relationship is at its worst uh, <laughs> stage it's ever been at at the moment. So um, I think you could probably call Elon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm, I've been trying. Um, so. I don't think that this book is going to change people's minds about him, though. Like, I feel like these stories of like, hey, he's not, I don't want to say a horrible boss, but like he is a very demanding boss and like demands a lot. And he doesn't sometimes, the companies don't pay that well. And your life is SpaceX or your life is Tesla, but it's all for this like amazing like goal that comes across perfectly in the book. I mean, it's not you have a lot more details and a lot more like granularity but there's not 
there's nothing that would change someone's mind about the guy, I don't think. Do you? Yeah, no, I mean, I think those are the fundamental truths. I mean, I guess some of the stuff about his childhood that um, sort of like where this comes from, you know, I had no idea about before I started doing the book. And then I was like, okay. I mean, it started to get really interesting for me then because then you're like, this is this is how this was this guy was formed a little bit and and then um and then i guess some of my i mean yeah it, it, i i totally agree with you and that but then uh, like some of the my favorite parts of the book are just like the spacex story and this com- like for people who don't know i mean they basically start trying to send their first rocket up from an island in the middle of the pacific this teeny little That's place crazy. and you've got these like essentially college kids who uh most of them have never done anything like this before. They're just really good engineers, and and they're on this island for like two years trying to figure out how to get this rocket up, and everything possible is going wrong. And um, and then so then when you're like Elon's a hard boss, but then you see what these guys go, you're like, oh, okay, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I like, really I get, get it. it. <laughs> <laughs> that that island sounds like a lot of fun to me for about three or four days yeah for like two years it is like the people that i interviewed from there i mean they were like bonded yeah they have like a grill and stuff i was like (laughs) oh this sounds like a great vacation in the pacific um and then it doesn't really work out for a long time a long time and then like they would sort of Everything would be going right, and then like like the rocket would blow up for these really dumb sort of reasons. You know, it would it's be like, like uh, gas like sloshing around. Yeah, and like one time a, a bolt had just kind of corroded from the salt air, but they had they had actually like tested all these bolts before, and that had like never happened. You know, in, in like forty years of marine <laughs> <laughs> history, right. and then um, then then for the last launch they're really excited to get the rocket from california to kwajalein this island and they used to send it by barge but elon's like okay we got it this is we're gonna do this launch i'm gonna send it on a plane and then they sort of forget that to undo the valves on the the rocket so when the plane descends it's it's only like an the rocket's like an eighth of an inch thick and so the whole thing crumples just like a, a water bottle would on the plane i mean it's like these are the world's best physicists but they just kind of you know, you, something you just didn't think of in that moment, and it's so tragic. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, that's my favorite part of the book as well. I mean, I'm into SpaceX. Honestly, I didn't know very much about Tesla. I knew the basics until I read the book, but I cover SpaceX all the time. This was just like a fantastic look into that. Can we talk a bit about the future of SpaceX and maybe the future of Elon's plan? That's kind of the end of your book. Um, where do you see all of this going? Well, it's pretty funny. So there's a guy, Tom Mueller, who's in the book. He essentially builds all the engines for SpaceX throughout its history. And I just ran into him like two weeks ago. I mean, he's an amazing guy. He's, you know, there would be no SpaceX, I think, without him. And, um, you know, he said they've already got the designs for the engines that would take it to Mars. I mean, he said it's, they're like basically done. Um, they're not built, but like the plans are done. Right. And then they've got the design for because um, there's this Falcon Heavy, which is like the biggest rocket they have right now, but there's a bigger rocket than that that they've already designed. And then Elon's got the um, spacesuits. I, I feel like within the next year, we're going to see what SpaceX's spacesuits look like. And mm-hmm. I'm told there it does not look like your astronaut of yesteryear. He said he didn't want them to be like marshmallow. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> and he's, I mean, everyone's like giddy about it that I've talked to. And I tried really hard to sort of get pictures of that, but I couldn't. So it's got to be pretty good. And um, yeah, I mean, 
SpaceX is actually in a pretty good spot, knock on wood, as long as nothing blows up. I mean, they're getting tons of money, regular contracts. They're getting more and more consistent at doing like their day-to-day business and um, have these grand plans. They've got the spaceport in Texas, you know, which will one day be where they would launch to Mars from. And, I mean, Elon says 10 years, I think, to get to Mars, you know, to do the first launch. Right. So naturally that probably means like 15 or 16, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we talk about the space internet thing? Because that broke after the bulk of the um, reporting was done. Yeah. Um, and th- the space internet plan is basically Elon wants to launch an array of satellites that would be in low Earth orbit and beam the internet to anywhere on Earth from you know, one of 7,000 or like several thousand, I forget how many yeah. satellites. And when this broke, I started like kind of thinking about the implications of this. And it's like, if this works, I mean, it's not going to be for a few years, five at least, probably longer. If this works, he has the potential to undercut Comcast, to undercut AT&T and essentially offer, you know, like fiber speed internet to anyone in the world. And then SpaceX is instantly the biggest company Pretty much. I mean, yeah, he has these hilarious plans where like Tesla sells batteries for the home, which could be sort of bigger than their car business. It's like, and then SpaceX could just suddenly become like an internet service provider right. and that would be their biggest money maker. And, and he's like, you I mean, he said in an interview with me, is like, this could help pay for our trip to Mars. It's just, it's like, it's kind of nuts. I mean, the one thing I learned. There's a company, O3B, which does like a scaled down version of this today. And um, this other company, I think it's called um, it's OneWeb, OneWeb yeah. who's trying to sort of beat Elon basically to they that. They don't have a way to space yet, though. Not Yeah, so they're going to have to take somebody else's rockets or convince SpaceX to let them go. But, um, but like, it's the one thing I learned is that if you're in New York, if you're in like a major city, it's, it's still going to probably be, you would not buy your internet service directly from this because it's going to be too congested. But you would the carriers would to shuffle the traffic from like New York to London. And then if you were in a a city that's not some major metropolis, yeah, you could definitely. And so, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, SpaceX could just be this, like a space ISP. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's, it seems like Elon Musk like makes money almost incidentally too. Yeah. That was the other thing. There's a quote, I think from Justine Musk, his first wife in there where she says like, he just like never worries about, I forget how she puts it. It was so well put. It's like, yeah, I remember that quote as well. It's it, just like he just like follows him. Money just like falls in his lap more or less. Yeah, because he he came to the U.S. when he was seventeen with like a hundred dollars, and then nine years later he had about twenty two million after selling a couple companies, or really like two hundred million. Nine years later, then like six years after that he had none, <laughs> and then eight years after that he had twelve billion. It's it's like I, right. I don't yeah I don't know. And now else. it fluctuates with the stock prices and, and all that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have said that Tesla is more like a battery company than a car company. Um, do you agree with that? It, it seems very much in the book like they care a lot about batteries, but they definitely come across as a very serious like car company as well. Yeah, I think people see sort of the potential of how big the battery market could get. And it's like if you're selling them for cars and now homes and businesses and everything, I think the investors get excited about that. But I mean, to me, the most exciting thing is definitely the cars and, and the battery stuff is very to be determined as far as I'm concerned. And, um, and so, you know, when he's talking about like this gigafactory that he's going to build to knock out all these batteries, I mean, originally that, I mean, it's still definitely to supply this third generation car that they're working. I mean, that's first and foremost what that's for. And so that's what I, I mean, they still have to prove that they can get that third generation car. That will be, 
I think really when we know whether Tesla's like made it or not. Right. Yeah. I mean, if that's a huge success, that's kind of like the car for everyone, even though it's like 35 K, yeah. which, you know, placed it solidly in like the mid range type car. Definitely a lot more people could get it. Cause <laughs> the, yeah, the ones now, even though they start a little lower, it's like everyone seems to pay about a hundred thousand. Do you get the sense that he wants uh, driverless cars? I mean, he's like talked about it a bunch and Tesla has like various automated features, but do you see that happening? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of come on quick cause he used to never talk about it. And then all of a sudden we're at this press conference one day and he's revealing like some pretty sophisticated autonomous stuff and i live in mountain view and i see the google cars being tested all the time right around my house and so i just thought tesla was way behind and they i don't think they can sort of do what google can do today or at least i've never seen any evidence of that um but uh yeah i mean it looks to me like you know tesla fully intends on building an autonomous car and would be like the best company position really because it it really is the best at software and that's kind of its edge and so tying all that together would be big for them right right um i know we got to go in a second but can we very quickly talk about um elon's relationship with like larry page and craig venter and some of these like basically boys club of silicon valley like hot shots it yeah. seems like he's like crashed on larry page's couch and then they like spitball like crazy ideas yeah they have a funny relationship i mean larry so yeah when elon's in silicon valley which he is half a week every week he doesn't have a house so he either stays at a hotel or a lot of times he just goes to all his friends houses and uh, that's sort of like how he keeps in touch with people and he stays with larry and and um but then you know on the same <laughs> at the same time I mean, elon's thinks Larry Page, his buddy, like may well be working on the end of mankind and some evil AI. I mean, he thinks Larry has a good heart, but he's like almost too good of a heart that he's kind of naive about mm-hmm. this stuff. And so, yeah, it's like, I would love to sit in on. Yeah. <laughs> what do you those. think those conversations are like? <laughs> I mean, I asked him, you get a little taste of the book. Like you were saying, I mean, there's a guy I talked to who was at one of these and they're like, I would like to make a vertical takeoff electric plane. And Oh, that is a good idea. And like, it should, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so you get, you get a little taste. And then I asked Larry and Elon about, it. I mean, I think they, I think it's like this sci-fi kind of brainstorming session. And then they come up with like a thousand ideas and then take one or two of them and go try to build it, which is just nuts. Right. Right. Um, do you plan on, you know, sticking with this or are you like elon out? Yeah, I'm totally torn. I mean, this last week I've been feeling kind of Elon out and I'm like, this is it. On the other hand, the companies are so interesting that it's like, and you've come this far, you know, I I feel like um, it would be, I've just been battling with this inside. <laughs> I think, I think you've earned some time to think about it after <laughs> it was like a three year undertaking or two. Yeah, at least two and a half. Yeah. yeah verging on three. Yeah. Yeah. I think you get, you know, a couple of weeks after you publish a book. It's not even out yet. I mean, by the time you listen to this, it will be out, but. We'll see if um, Elon's still like speaking to me. In I, I think he'll get over it. I mean, it's, it's a very well done book and, um, you know, he probably did say that to that guy. And it's, it's one quote of many that tell a story about, it's not out of character, like for him to say something like that. Yeah. It's like, unfortunate out of 120,000 words to, yeah, just focus on like 14, but (laughs) I mean, that's, yeah, that's what like some of the early press is focused on. There's a lot to dive into here and reading this as a reporter, I'm like, Oh my God, I want to write about this and this and this and this. And, I don't know, at some point I'm like, I, this is someone else's work mostly. <laughs> like I can add some things to it, but you should all just read the book because it's great. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. Yeah. I appreciate it. 
Cool. Well, thank you very much. Um, we'll let you go now. All right. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, I think that Elon is a rational person, if nothing else, and he seems he seemed to like the book at first. So I think that once this kind of backlash dies down against him, he's going to call up Ashley and say, "Hey, bro, you want to grab a drink or something like that?" But probably not. Lucky Ashley. He does probably Elon, might like text him or something, but I don't think they'll hang out. I don't does, think they'll does be he buzz. Drink? Does Elon drink? Elon drinks, but like not that much. It's in the book. He doesn't get drunk too often, but he does have crazy ass parties. Do you want to hear about one of this one of his parties? I do. Parties? Yeah, I sure do. Okay, for his birthday, I think it was last year, or a couple of years ago, he rented a castle in Europe, and he had a knife thrower throw knives at him. He held balloon a balloon between his legs and said, "Here, bust these with your knives." And then Ashley asked, "Like, why the hell would you do that?" And Elon was like, "Well, I figure at worst, I would just." break one gonad which is a weird thing to say i think but he said wasn't there another party where they had a castle and they just played hide and seek all night it was like 20 people i thought that sounded awesome yeah that sounds really fun i really want to go to one of elon's parties and he doesn't drink. Elon, if, you're, if you're, listening, you're listening to this do you th- he's probably gonna listen to this i would think yeah probably. he seems to read a lot of things about busy. him and he's very busy but you know he's he gets bored sometimes probably so write us here at Radio Motherboard, Mr. Musk. Yeah. Anyways, I'm glad that we just had this interview with Ashley so we could kind of do smart Elon talk, and now we can do crazy what-is-he-doing talk because I know there are a lot of Elon Musk fans out there, and if they're listening, I'm sure they're like, oh, my God, they don't know what they're talking about at all. I have been listening to SpaceX since before it even existed, whatever. That was my imitating you voice. (laughs) (laughs) It was not very good. Anyways, I think that Elon Musk is going to launch a bunch of satellites into space to make space internet like he said he was going to. And then I think he's going to undercut Comcast and Verizon and everyone else, and everyone is going to be using SpaceX internet. And Elon Musk will have an internet space monopoly thing And then he'll use the money to fund a trip to Mars. Yes. And that's not that crazy, I guess, but it's kind of (laughs) crazy because incidentally in creating a space company, he's also managed to potentially have the means to create a telecom company that's more powerful than any telecom company that has ever existed. Well, that would be fantastic since we just got news this weekend that Charter, the fourth largest cable company in the U.S., is going to try to buy Time Warner Cable the second largest cable company in the U.S. Yeah, just writing that Further sentence. Further consolidating the cable monopoly. Yes. Writing that sentence was very weird to me when I just did a story about it because I was like, well, how's the fourth largest one buying the second largest one? That was my but next question. But the answer is they all have a lot of money and they can do whatever they want, I think. Maybe that's the answer. Save us, Elon. Yeah, but then he's just going to have a monopoly. Who's to say that he'll run things better? What if he becomes a tyrant? The internet commenters say that he won't. But also... (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're always... Because I wrote an article suggesting that maybe he would become a tyrant. And they were like, no, Elon cares about humanity. And after reading the book, I think he probably does. And he has, like, better things to worry about than, like, 
quibbling and playing these silly like internet telecom games. Just to play the devil's advocate, he wouldn't be the first person who claimed to care about humanity and then tried his best to destroy it. Can you think of some in popular fiction? Popular fiction? Perhaps science fiction or movies. Oh. I've never heard of anything like this. Like what? Like you're somebody suggesting. who comes to power with noble uh, things in mind. I mean, I think. Uh, well, the first the one I and people are going to go shit house on this, but like Fidel Castro claimed to be fighting for like a people's revolution. He rose to power and then he became worse than the oppressor he displaced. What about Barack Obama? <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? Wow. <laughs> Uh, I was just kidding. That is like a very popular trope. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it? I, I couldn't think of one in fiction, though, that a science fiction where it happened. Uh, I, you're right, though. It definitely does. What about Anakin Skywalker? What about Immortan Joe? You guys haven't seen Mad Max yet. No. I'm I seeing did. Mad Max soon. I did, yeah. Oh. Immortan Joe, am I right? He's the bad guy. I don't think he ever claimed to care about humanity, though. He, he, he well, uh, yeah, I don't think maybe he does. I think he was like, yeah, he, he wants he his warblies to ride in Valhalla. Valhalla. He wants his warblies to ride in Valhalla forever in shiny yeah, chrome. Sure, right. Fucking movie ruled. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the podcast will be dedicated to us imagining our favorite scenes from Mad Max. What I'm saying is, is that Elon Musk is Immortan Joe. Look, I don't know if he's altruistic. <laughs> well, he's certainly not like altruistic, I don't think, but I don't know if he is going to sell out. He probably will have the opportunity to because SpaceX is positioning itself to be a very powerful company. Uh, it could ha- also implode. It could also implode. As Ashley mentions, like one to two crashes, especially one with humans on board, would end the company really? potentially. I mean, it would be very bad for the company if it crashed with humans on board. They are p- currently profitable, but they're not making a lot of money. And once they start flying NASA astronauts into orbit, into the International Space Station, I don't know, it would not be good. But Virgin Galactic crashed with humans on board, and they're still going. It was their own test pilots, though. And also, Virgin Galactic potentially is not a thing it, it is a thing but it, it's not like right now spacex could become the dominant space company if if things go well for it if it can figure out how to reuse its rockets and if it can break into some of the government contracts that have been monopolized by defense contractors so far right and those <clears throat> right now they're being launched by ula which is a boeing lockheed martin conglomerate and they never, ever, ever crash, but they are very, very expensive. And if SpaceX starts crashing multi-billion dollar Air Force satellites, that could put a serious damper on their future. But everything is going well at the moment. Has Elon considered a space elevator? That he, seems like a very Elon idea. He said that he's not into it, and he's not into space solar power either, which I think are two cool things that he seems like he would be very into but he doesn't believe in the engineering of either of those things or that they'd be worth it and he is that's his background and that's where he always brings questions back to is the physics of it yeah can it be done right his hardcore expertise is in physics right what do you think about tesla do you think that they i was wondering about tesla is tesla firmly in the in the safe 
zone as a company because it almost failed a couple times and it's it's successful now and popular now and was named the best car like of the year but is it like clearly a winning company at this point I think that they're solid for the moment. I think that there's less that could happen to them than to SpaceX simply because there's like more of them on the road. But I suppose a major recall or two would be very bad, especially if it's safety related and especially if their batteries start catching fire or something of that nature. And they still have a long way to go in building out the network of charging stations. They do, but they're, they seem to be expanding those pretty quickly. And they, now they have the home battery business, so I don't know. I mean, they they could become something more than a car company. They could become, you know, this energy company that, I don't know, maybe they'll spread the, themselves too thin, but it seems as though they are working a little bit more in the realm of the possible than SpaceX. They don't have a, like, mandate to go to Mars. But I don't know. I, it's... It seems like they're working pretty closely with Solar City and they're, you know, they have like various US car companies have stakes in them and they're a public company now and I don't think that they're going anywhere, but I don't think I think that they have the Model X coming up which is their SUV and I think if that launches successfully they'll certainly be like pretty stable. Right. So they have an SUV coming out before a like uh consumer priced sedan yeah the model x is launching in i want to say a month or two maybe this summer end of summer and then the plan is for 2017 i think they want to make a thirty-five thousand dollar consumer level car Um, how much is the model x i want to say it's 80 50 to 80 yeah isn't there one like 56 is the lowest tier the Model S right now, you can get one for 56, which is a lot, but it's not absolutely crazy like they were when they first launched. Like the Roadster started out at like 119, I want to say. Wow. Something. Have you driven one or been in one? I've not driven or been in one, but after reading this book, I very much want to. Um, a cool thing about the Teslas are that there are no model years on them. So whenever there's a new feature, they just kind of put it into whatever they're making at the moment. And then so much of it is software-based that they just push software updates to it. So you get like a new, you know, Android or Apple operating system. You just get a new Tesla operating system. And, so your car keeps getting better after you buy it. Right. And one of the new features in an upcoming, like, in an upcoming operating system is the it'll be able to pass cars on the highway with the turn signal only. So you can be just like in cruise control behind someone on the highway, put your turn signal on and the car takes over and drives past the person. And that's pretty crazy. I mean, autonomous cars are a thing and they are getting a little bit less, you know, I don't know, they're going to be on the road and we've seen the success of the Google car. But to push that onto a car that already is on the road seems like pretty, like a pretty huge step forward something that's already out there. My main question after reading this book was, it seems like there is a lot left in the Elon Musk story. He's definitely done a few books worth of things. Like he's had huge successes and then huge failures and then more huge successes. But it still seems like we're maybe halfway or a third of the way through whatever his legacy is going to end up being. 
So I'm wondering if Ashley's going to write another book or if somebody else is going to write a book or if we're going to have to wait until Elon dies to get the full deal. Is he going to write a book? Elon wants to write a book. And yeah, it is it is a good time to write about him, I think, for a biography, especially because Tesla and SpaceX and SolarCity are all doing so well right now. Um, you know, they all could have gone under very recently. But yeah, there's a lot to be told. And a lot of things have happened even since he's released the book. I mean, once SpaceX gets into manned spaceflight, that's a whole different thing. Once they launch the Falcon Heavy, which is going to be the most powerful rocket on Earth, that is, that's a whole nother thing. You know, Tesla's with its consumer models, Tesla with its Gigafactory, the story's not even close to being over. And people are super fascinated by this guy. And for good reason. He, I mean, it's this annoying kind of stupid, like, uh, allegory or whatever analogy, but he is very much like Tony Stark and he seems to be kind of like the only person that inspires this kind of fandom at the moment. Like Steve Jobs, people, you know, they, Steve Jobs had followers, but Elon Musk seems to have followers in the same way. And I can't really think of anyone else in the business world who has that sort of following at the moment. So when did Jobs get his followers? Because like when he died, the amount of people that cared, I was like kind of surprised by. And I might just be saying that as somebody that was like raised with Macs when nobody gave a shit about them until like the iPod changed all that. But like Elon Musk's following seems much more present, I guess is like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think, I think it was maybe like the cult of Mac versus like the cult of Elon. Like, you know, you have your Mac users and they were kind of this marginalized community in the 90s when Windows was dominating everything. And you still had people who were like, oh, I use a Mac. And, you know, they probably like, that was their cross to bear. Very and, much. Yeah. Was. That was like, <laughs> that was my high school uh, life. Right. And then all of a sudden, like the iPod comes out and the iPhone comes out and the MacBook is awesome. And they're like the dominant company. And then... Steve Jobs dies and they can be like, oh, I was here the whole time, which I don't know. I, I I, I'm just kind of talking. People are maybe searching but... for something like that. Like people are on the lookout for like a Steve Jobs like character. They realize the importance of like a, I don't know if industrialist is the right word, but like a, a guy like Elon Musk, like as the new, like the people who don't follow celebrity mm-hmm. culture, like need a, a God on earth, right. so to speak. So like Elon is there to fulfill that. So people can identify with it and be like, to me, the cult of Elon is so much more understandable than the cult of Steve jobs though, because in the end, Steve jobs made phones and Elon Musk is talking about going to space and revolutionizing the energy industry. So, the space thing alone would be enough to get him a lot of fanboys and girls. But adding together all the other stuff that he's accomplished, I don't know, it seems like a lot easier to understand his cult status than to understand Steve Jobs's, which like I think took a lot longer to evolve and ended up just being because he had, I think it was mostly his aesthetic um, just like really appealed to people and they fell in love with it as a brand and therefore fell in love with him. Who was the last person on earth before Elon Musk that was like Elon Musk? Benjamin Franklin? In terms of following? I'm trying to figure it out. Like, you know, if if Elon Musk is the reincarnation of somebody, if we're thinking in those terms, like, who is he? 
I mean, I made the or comparison. I made the comparison between him and a bunch of railroad barons because they similarly like built out a lot of infrastructure that then allowed them to monopolize some other industries. But they were capitalists. They were give a shit about anyone. That's why it's not necessarily like a perfect, um, you know, a perfect comparison. And I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I wasn't around during the time of Edison. But maybe Edison? I, I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, but Elon sure. probably doesn't like Edison. He named his company Tesla after all, right? Wasn't there a thing? Yeah, there was... A lot of people don't like Edison is something I learned yeah. recently. Yeah, oh, you never... Haven't you seen uh, that uh, Christopher Nolan movie where David Bowie plays Tesla? Yes, that's a great movie. I love it. The Prestige? <laughs> yes. The yeah, Prestige is so good. And he keeps going like, Edison's goons are coming for me. Yeah. <laughs> Also, The Prestige was exactly like Batman Begins, but like a little bit better and also about magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just so you know, I liked it a lot. Do, what, do you think there's someone else? Well, I was just thinking maybe he's Tesla come to have his revenge. Whoa. Well, it was... If we're getting spiritual. All right. He didn't name the company. He didn't name the company Tesla. Yeah. He and, bought the company. Oh, really? It was okay. already named Tesla. He didn't but maybe he Tesla. bought it because something... Maybe. He's back. Possibly. <laughs> I didn't really know the history of Tesla until I read this book, but Elon didn't found Tesla. He he well, was there very early, and now he's considered a co-founder. This is a debate. It right? is a debate, and he, I don't know. It depends on what you consider the word found to mean, I guess. But, you know, once it was actually a company, he was there, and he was calling a lot of the shots. But well, the, was- I, the idea for Tesla was not his idea. Some people came to him. Uh, and said, we have an electric car company. We think you'd be interested. And he was like, yeah, I'm on board. Who is Elon Musk's personal hero? Is this covered in the book? It's not. That's interesting. I don't remember that. I feel like that would be a question you'd ask, right? He's like, he's close friends with, like, Sergey Brin and Larry Page and Craig Venter. Yeah, but I mean dead people. Right, like, who, yeah. Who is, like, a, you know, who's a, his Jesus, so to speak? I don't remember him. I'm sure he must have cited some heroes. But yeah. Just I mean curious. people are always people are always comparing him to Tony Stark. But Tony Stark made weapons. That's the difference. Like he Tony Stark is kind of a bad person. Tony Stark is also a fictional character, <laughs> which is fine. He's real to me, goddamn you. Tony Stark in like Tony Stark in the movie Iron Man is somewhat based on Elon Musk and not the other way around. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, like, doesn't he have a cameo in Yeah, he has a cameo and Robert Downey Jr. like met Elon Musk because whoever directed that movie, I don't remember, um, told him, like, hey, you should meet Elon Musk because he's kinda like Tony Stark and like that Robert Downey Jr. based that performance partially on Elon Musk. John Favreau directed the first one and the second one? And then the third one was directed by the Shane Black. Your movie knowledge is so good. Did you okay. just Google that? No, I just remembered it. <clears throat> My Four Heroes by Elon Musk. Oh, here we go. There are so many, it's hard to necessarily pick a few, but certainly Edison and Tesla would be good examples. Oh, played it safe. Yeah. I see. Winston Churchill was one of my heroes as well as Darwin, who was an amazing writer. Everyone should read The Origin of Species. It's really, really good. I read part of The Origin of Species when I was in the Galapagos Islands because I thought it would be uh, appropriate, but I didn't get very far. Maybe you should read it again. You're denying evolution? 
Yes. All right. Let's go. Let's let the people go. <laughs> thank you guys for sticking with us. Yeah, thank you. I know this Thanks, one was Elon, a bit rambly, listening. but yeah. Elon Musk, my number is 301-412-7324. You can call me anytime. I'll answer. Um, our other listeners, you can text me and I'll call you back if you want. Do you really want to do this right now? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, not, you will not be number? saying it's fine in like a week. You're going to be like, I'm in fucking hell. I had my office number on my Twitter account for a long time. It was my office number. Did anybody call? Um, once some like kids called from, I don't know, another country. They had accents. <laughs> they were just saying hi. And then one time recently I got a call when I was out somewhere on my cell phone. And some kid was like, hey, uh, just wouldn't, haven't seen you on the verge in a while. And I was like, I have to go. That's weird. Yeah. Only call me if you're cool <laughs> or Elon Musk. Next week, Jason changes his phone number. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's going to be tight when Elon calls, though. Yeah. Anyways, that's going to make it worth it. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Anyways, this was Radio Motherboard, disjointed, off the cuff edition. I'm Jason Kebler. I'm Adrian Jeffries. I'm Chris O'Coin. We'll see you next week. 